0: There's only a few things I really care about in my life. My body, my pod, my ride, my family, my church, my boys, my girls, and my cast. I know the last one sounds weird, but I'm just being honest. Nothing else does it for me the same way. Not even real pussy. That's it? You done? I wavered for a minute as to whether or not I wanted to say pussy. Your voice cracked at the word pussy. (laughs) Do I want to replace it (laughs) with a different word? Or do I want to say pussy? I,
1: I mean, I don't know if I, I'm probably not even supposed to be talking yet, but you just did our show and you said it constantly.
0: I know. That's why <laughs> I hesitated. That's exactly why I hesitate because I feel like I've used up all my pussy drops for the day. You cashed in all your pussy. I did. For the We <laughs> did two records back to back and predominantly talks about pussy in the first one.
2: That's why they call them
0: PCasts. That's why they call them PCAST. And look, this is the kind of blunt, no holds barred talk we're going to have to get into in this episode. Finally, a look inside the, the mind of the man. That's the thing. Look, honestly, we often we come out here and we try to be woke. We try to be professional, right? We try to be above board, but the gloves are off, baby. There's no time for that kind of talk in this episode. You can't mince around with Don John. This guy doesn't hold back. He tells his fucking priest how many times a day he jerks off. And we need to display the same radical honesty in talking about this bananas movie. A quiet career ruiner. Quiet, like a
2: a slow bomb that is (laughs) still going off, in my opinion.
0: David, I was coming on with the exact same take holstered on my belt. But, but as as you said, David, a rare example of the bomb doesn't go off until years later. He plants the bomb under the table, and people are like, "Okay, th- I hope you had fun doing that." I I didn't
2: like that, but uh, you know, I do I do like you. And he's like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, <laughs> it's over. You liking me is over."
1: At the time that it came out, there was like a full court press kind of media frenzy of like, "Wow, yes, this is really good." Like, I do remember that the the general public perception was like, hey, he pulled it off. Like, he made this passion project. Yeah, it looks a little goofy, but there's a real movie in there. And I was going like, fucking really? And then, (laughs) of course, the rest of the world went like, no, not really, but we're not going to say that like right after it comes out. Guy must feel like shit.
0: Like, (laughs) I'm trying to find the number here, but I remember it getting like acquired for a bizarrely large amount of money too. Like, I remember the news story of like, Relativity bought it, and they're ready to go hard on this thing. They think it could be a crossover hit. They want to be in the Jo-Go business.
2: Okay, well here's the thing: it was a four million dollar minimum, but with a a twenty five million dollar P and A guaranteed or whatever. So they they're gonna they're gonna sell that much advertising on the movie. I don't know.
0: I just remember part of it being like. They think the movie has box office potential, but more than anything, Relativity wants Joseph Gordon-Levitt to think of them as his home studio because this is the start of a major directing career and they want to be in on the ground floor.
2: As Mike Fleming said in Deadline, I think Gordon-Levitt has delivered the goods here. He's a bright young man who's willing to do what he needs to, which is that's a weird way to put it. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that, but OK.
0: It's also funny that I feel like the perception was like kind of weird that that's what he decided to make his first film about, but also I guess it was sort of a proof of concept. He wanted to show people that he could do it, and he's done that, and now he's being talked about to take over bigger projects. And then none of them have come to fruition. He's been like attached to like three or four big things to direct and star since this, and none of them have happened. He's not directed another thing outside of Hit Record Joe videos since this came out. But look,
2: introduce, introduce our guests. But we I, I just there's one thing I really have to bring up right away. Well,
0: uh, this, of course, is Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm Dave. Uh, and it's a podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their careers. They're given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion products they want. And sometimes those checks clear. And sometimes uh, they bounce, baby. Uh, the half commitment there. One-eighth commitment there to doing The Voice. Do The Voice! i don't know what is it it's like so hard to do it and not feel like oh i'm just doing an all that sketch but the answer is he's playing this entire movie at the level of an all that sketch you know
3: not just in all that uh, and i do want to be introduced at some point but not yeah, just in yeah. all that sketch and all that or like snl sketch uh, and it's a host performance <laughs> yes <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's correct. It's not it's not part of the ensemble. It's not no. somebody who is professionally like doing characters and other voices. It's, it's somebody It's not who's... Josh
3: Server. No. It's not uh it's not even Alex Moffat. It is Joseph Gordon Levitt
2: hosting those shows. Sitting down at the writer's table, being like, Well, I got like
0: a I got like a guy who likes porn. He talks like this. And they're like, Oh yeah, all right, okay. We we talk a lot about, I feel like it's come up recently, but it's also come up multiple times, Joseph Gordon-Levitt doing Make Him Laugh in his SNL monologue, which is very, it's like literally that. And it's another thing much like Don John's entire existence that feels like the the further away we got from it, the more the smell started to like circle around it, you know? But
2: wait, introduce our guest, Griffin, please. So I can then say that because it's connected to this.
0: Well, let's just say this show is usually constructed around miniseries where you pick a director and go through all of their films. And we're trying something very radical here. It's the first ever one film miniseries.
2: Yeah, unless he does another, in which case we have to do it. And I think our guests have to come back. If
0: he does another one, we will come back. We will come back. We will come back. So it's on the books. This is a mini series on the films of director Joseph Gordon-Levitt. The name of the miniseries is Pawn. Pon Con.
2: Con, I guess. There's not a lot you can do there.
0: Pawn Con? Yeah, sure. That's what it's called. And our guests today are, of course, to talk about a movie that is fundamentally about being a boy. We got the boys, Sean Clements and Hayes Davenport of Hollywood Handbook, who infamously have already discussed. The trailer for this movie at length But you never tackled the full film
3: No uh, the, And the moment it was in our first episode That we talked about right. teaser John. freezer, Our first teaser freezer first episode And the momentum from that segment Is still petering out Over the length of our show
1: Couple death throws Left in this thing and I want to say Because I saw some people upset when we just recently did Doughboys that we got introduced as a duo and never said our names associated with our own voices. So apparently we sound exactly the same to some people. Um, I am Sean. And that other person
0: was Hayes. (laughs) Thank you so Mm -hmm. much for your consideration. Mm -hmm. So this, I'm, I'm curious right off the bat, did you guys both see this in theaters after doing the bit? Or did you not see it until later?
3: I did see it in theaters. I saw it at the AMC Century City at the mall. Uh, not a huge, uh, it wasn't a packed house. And I, I do think it was like the opening, not weekend, but probably week. It's very embarrassing going to this movie by yourself. It is much more embarrassing the 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 circumstances of my second viewing oh but i I i have a projector that i just like plays on my screen everyone walking by can see what i'm watching and so i was conscious of that the entire time the movie was on not just because there is like a lot of like actual porn in it that's like weirdly not chased but like for a movie that's about porn you see like boobs sometimes but it's like it's not like a super super graphic movie but there's like a lot of like sex in it so it, it does look like i'm watching porn blown up on my wall
1: but it also looks like you're kind of scared of it
0: yeah that i'm like, <laughs> like it, it looks like
1: you're that i'm like doesn't skipping through it look like you have really the fucking fast. stones to watch real porn
0: <laughs> right you're closing out of it real quick and switching to another video and then closing out of that and so on and so forth for 90 minutes
3: But I would be relieved when it would like get back to just like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but then realize people walking by would look and be like, is he watching Don John?
1: (laughs) And then you'd be like, please get to another porn scene. At least I seem like a normal guy.
2: The porn guy. Oh, he's watching Don John. What if your girlfriend interrupted
0: you late at night? Are you watching Don John? It does feel like you could remake this movie just swapping out the detail that watching Don John on his computer is the thing. Yes, yes. That has, yeah, your girlfriend catches you watching I Don quit John. John. I, just,
1: <laughs> I checked your browser history. You watched <laughs> Don John 46 times this week.
3: Um, my body, my pad, my ride, my boys, my girls, my Don John.
0: You had a VPN because it's not even on American Netflix. So I
1: did not see it in theaters. I had only seen the trailer, and what I feel like, as mentioned, was a tremendous amount of press and promotion for it. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I had a really good sense of it um in watching it. I was surprised because really, the trailer is just the very opening minute of the film, like that like and and everything else uh was a new experience for me. I do. In that opening, when he says, like, I only care about a few things in life, it is funny that he goes on to list, like, eight things. Like, he names, yeah. like,
2: family, friends, his home, <laughs> yeah. his job. Like,
0: I mean, he's basically it's, just. It's like his car, his. Right. Yeah. It's, it's,
1: like
2: it's... Most of
0: the things people worry about day to day. Right. You're, you're setting up, like, eight pretty big umbrella subjects. <laughs> and my, right. my
3: boys and my girls is so
0: many people.
1: My pad my my car it's like
0: okay i feel like we could have done less and my porn it, it is funny how much you're right that was like the marketing campaign was just like i you, are you ready for the rhythm of this movie yeah <laughs> like this is like the fucking speed at which the images are going to come at you this guy's going to be narrating everything
2: it's the thing I wanted, I, I wanted to say before I forgot about it. It's just that what we're talking about with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, his general enthusiasm, just I assume you guys read that like Ryan Johnson, obviously, who he worked with, had like, you know, he like had helped him with notes, but also Christopher Nolan. Did you see that like that? He like he, he like went to Nolan and was like, so what do you think about my script? Like, here's what I'm planning on doing.
1: Ugh, that makes me sick just to think of that. That's what, that's what Christopher
3: Nolan said.
2: I'm just trying to imagine him being like. So he's like a this guy, right? This guy jerks off a lot, and Nolan's just like, uh huh, uh huh. Like, I just would, I would love to be there. Yeah, I'm sure. It
3: a- <laughs> oh, it's oh, it's a very, uh, it's a very winning premise. Uh, <laughs> and, and you say it's reminiscent of these, uh, these Jersey Shore
0: uh, <laughs> characters. It just felt like he was sort of trying to do a baby DiCaprio thing where it's like, let me only work with, like, major directors and carry them all with me as, like, mentors, you know? hmm Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, he was, you know, making a, a pretty quick jump in terms of, obviously, he's been acting for, like, his entire life at this point. But you're, you're like, eight years into sort of his reinvention. Is that fair to say? Very successful. Right, by the way. right. Oh, Up yeah. Up until this point, he's kind of like hasn't missed a step. And even he's the movies He's on top his... of the
1: world. He has
3: this absolute peak.
0: Right. Everyone's just like, yeah, this is the guy. He's like, we all agree he's one of the key guys of his generation, his class of actors. He's good in supporting roles. He's proven himself as a leading man. He works in multiple genres. He's got yeah. the goods.
3: Romantic comedies. This totally works. Action movies. Yes, you're cool. This works
0: do small indies he could do character work he can just be movie star charisma yeah and it was
1: the dicaprio thing where he had been on a big network sitcom and it was like this is it was like the kid from third rock is doing like a greg Iraqi movie where he's like (laughs) like like a, a hustler and it was like yeah he is and it's
0: fucking good he's doing a good job That that was sort of his Gilbert Grape where people were like, holy shit, this guy can act. And then it's just like up, 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 up. Yeah. And you're like, oh, he
1: must have really like smart instincts or whatever. And then he's just like, can I set all of that on fire (laughs) in a matter of like seconds?
0: Yes. Because I feel like he's also one of those guys where whenever you read interviews with directors he had worked with talking about him, they would always kind of say that. Like, I feel like Jonah Hill was another guy like that at this time. Where people would be like, you have no idea how smart this guy is. He really sees the whole picture. He's going to start directing movies and blow people away.
2: But here's the look. This is the whole because I think he is unambiguously good in a lot of these movies that are leading up to Don John. Right. I really do enjoy him. And I know we make fun of him in Inception. But, you know, I think he's he's doing what that movie wants. He's good in it. But like he's good in like the the, just the 50 50. Dark Knight Rises, I really love Premium Rush, Uh, Looper. Premium Rush rules.
1: I like that. I saw that in the theater. That was great. Yeah.
2: And like, he's usually playing kind of cocky guy. Like, it's like, he should be more annoying than he is. And he's like, you know, kind of getting the charm across.
0: He does Lincoln the year before this. His movie right before this is playing Lincoln's Son underneath Daniel Day-Lewis In a Spielberg movie
2: uh, yeah. And then he does this And it's not like post this It's Sin City 2 I'm talking about, um, this is, these are his major roles The Walk, The Night Before Snowden And then uh, like a four year break post Snowden And then like whatever he's been doing recently It's like, it's close to alarming Like I almost want to know I know he had kids Maybe he's just like, eh, maybe I want to just like raise my kid I don't, cause it's but I think it's just that this movie is so embarrassing. It's not even noxious. It's just like, you're just like, oh, oh, oh God.
1: Like you're just, you just feel awful watching it. You feel tingly. I did text Griffin that like between this and 500 Days of Summer, he made two of the most rapidly aging films in history where they were like yes. so instantly out of date. And like that one, like just is like it's criminal. And then this one. Just the fact that he's doing like Jersey Shore guy stuff, like it is that fucking gym Tan laundry thing. And it's it's at the very, very end. Like it's just barely culturally relevant when he does it. So even watching it now, you know, whatever, it's seven years later or something. It's just like, holy shit, I forgot this was even a way that we were saying people acted because <laughs> it's so cartoonish because obviously those, you know, the situation and Paulie D and shit are, we're playing it up on the fucking show. Yeah. And then that he's like leaning it in and hamming it up. And then he and, and Scarjo and Tony Danza are just doing such a crazy heightened
0: version of it was really wild. You were texting me about like, We were both saying, you know, not to jump the gun, but that like Julianne Moore is is inarguably the best part of this movie, but also is kind of disorienting because she's in a legitimate movie, giving a real performance. It's
1: a real movie when it's when
0: she's in it. She's a real person. Right. And you were like, as opposed to the fun trash that and your list was Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Tony Danza. And Silent Brie Larson are giving me. (laughs) I like it, just feels like Silent Brie Larson is her own performer. It's not the same as saying Brie Larson.
1: No, it's the fact that she's kind of like just looking at everyone up from her phone for the entire film where it's like, oh. Like
0: she's been hexed. Like, yeah.
3: The one person who, like, out of the cast who is playing the role that they were assigned and I think doing it very well is Scarlett Johansson.
0: Hard agree. That's why I kept her off that last list.
3: She's totally good in this movie. She's like insanely good looking for like, and, and like is, is, is playing into that, like leaning into her own objectification in a way that like the, the the movie sets out to do. And she is like totally on board Julianne Moore. It totally, it does feel like is, is also working hard, but it it does feel like a completely different movie.
1: She's in a totally different movie for sure. But she felt like a, She also just did feel like a person to me because I would do that thing where she would say a line and I would think about what that line must have looked like on paper and how it's like, God, if this was mishandled (laughs) at all, like it would just instantly be so fake and inhuman. Whereas like, you know, I I think there were some moments for me that uh, Scarlett Johansson's performance maybe rang a little false. She just had so much more to do. Like she had so many more scenes and so much more dialogue. And her character sucks. Like, that's a shitty
0: thing to have to be.
2: But I think she is giving the movie, right, she's doing what is required. Like, she is funny.
0: She's in the best version of this movie, whereas Julianne Moore is in an entirely different, better film. Right.
2: I just have to pull, it's just like, who I know he's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's pretty famous, so he can sit down real people and be like, hey, do you have advice for me on this movie I want to make? But is he literally just saying, like, okay, he's a jerk. The guy jerks off all the time. He's this Jersey Shore guy. Oh, this is what... I, and then they're like, okay, and then what happens? It's like, then he meets a nice lady and he kind of chills out. And like, did everyone just say like, oh, that sounds good. Sounds like a good ending. Sounds like you've, you've completely <laughs> told this. Like, everyone's just like, uh-huh. The lady, the lady's nice. Yeah, yeah, she's she's nice. She's like a nice lady. She's like been through some stuff.
1: He's treating her like shit. He's yelling at her and shit And like and like takes her notebook and then he... Uh, on a dime shifts and then she fucks him instantly.
2: Right. Then she has sex with him and is like, maybe you should like look in my eyes when we have sex. And that just kind of snaps him out of it. And then he's like a chill guy.
1: It is a movie about looking someone in the eyes when you come. Right. That's it. Yes.
3: Yeah. But clearly in the pitch, (laughs) like, and and I want to talk about what you all think it is, but he has like very big ideas about what the themes of this movie are. Yes. Yes. And it has to do with something like it's about image, and it's about like you know like these Jersey Shore guys that are all about like image and like their public presentation around that, and it's about society and how we we, they create these like false versions of love, Uh, and it's about like a guy who like is all about this, he's like addicted to the false version of like love that like porn and commercial, Carl's Junior commercials like put out. And then he finds something real,
1: but there are so many underserviced ideas in there, like there is something about like there's like the pornography and the Carls jr commercials and like the hypersexualization of like imagery you're presented in society, also the idea of like being obsessed with your own image also the this barely touched upon idea that like romantic comedies are unrealistic and that is porn for women. And that is emotional porn, which I guess is under the same umbrella you're talking about where it is this like false idea of what love is, but it's just like, we're presenting these two different angles, but that gets abandoned. And like Scarlett Johansson loving those movies, the parallels never totally drawn. It just kind of like dropped there and left alone. And then like, just brushed aside along with everything else just just so that he could then like have sex with julianne moore twice and then be right. like yeah that's and then it when it, when the credits came up i was actually surprised <laughs> i was like oh they're not gonna wrap up
0: anything like no
1: which fine
0: no it's just cural yeah Everything's good now
2: But like yeah ScarJo is playing a regular annoying person I guess is the final conclusion of this movie And he had a problem and and Julianne Moore was the medicine
0: Right
3: But the movie does to her in a weird way What the Carl's Jr. commercials are also doing Except worse Because it's it's like showing off her body And like her image in this like a hyper sexualized way uh making her just like a sex object, but also
2: she's she sucks <laughs> also right. turns out she's kind of like retrograde right
1: she is it's it sort of presents that first thing where she like starts dry humping him in the hallway and makes him agree to go to night classes as if like this man who is addicted to porn and whose only like reward drive is for sex. Now the sex is being used to steer him towards improving his own life. Like, that is the very first blush, like, look at it. But then it becomes, like, this woman is a manipulative asshole who just wants someone who's totally under her control. But then his buddy is like, but you're going to finish the night class, right? Like,
3: Yeah, and we meet Julianne Moore, and she's like, this class is boring, so you're supposed to be like, okay, I guess she's real. But are we supposed to think this class is like good or Yes. Not? Is
1: it is that's I'm like, is it good or not that he went to the class? And if it's good, then is it good that she made him do it like or should he want to be a bartender and like that's and that's cool and he and he shouldn't go to school? I I, I mean, it's all that stuff is so mushy.
0: It is bizarre how in. Just completely uninterested this movie is in what is the class. You know what I'm saying? You only ever see the two of them leaving the class. But you understand that Scarjo has said like she wants a guy with a career with a degree and shit. But it's just unclear what is he studying? Is he doing well? Does he care? Is it improving any other areas of his life? And then Julianne Moore, just same thing. She's someone who's trying to start fresh, but you have no idea. What they're actually working towards, and whether any of us sinking in, because we don't know what his
2: passion is apart from whacking it. Like we don't. Like I, he excuse me. I
0: can list like five passions. His right. boys.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like he doesn't say path, like I want to open a bar someday. Or if he does, girls, I didn't hear him say. It. But like his bod. The, the, here is in my opinion car, the sweet.
0: All right, Griffin.
2: All right. That
0: was the all end right. of my list. I'm sorry. Go on.
2: The sweetest scene in the movie, apart from the kind of cloying Julianne Moore, like where she's like, oh, my family died. And he's like, "Okay, well, maybe you should teach me how to have human sex.
1: But that was one of the lines, too. Sorry, where she where I was like, oh, my God, because it's like, what happened to your family? And she's like, cars are terrible things or something (laughs) like like that. And you just go like, whoa, did they all get
2: hit by one car? Were they in a car together? Were there multiple car
0: accidents? I remember contending to people this year that there was an argument that she should win the Academy Award for this performance in terms of just most work an actor had to do to give a good performance. Did she know him? How does she get? This is the other crazy thing. I mean, you were you were like setting up, David, how wild it is that Julianne Moore and Scarlett Johansson are really kind of in like big career peaks at this point. It's yeah, a year definitely. after the Avengers. Same year as Under the Skin. Julianne Moore's a year away from winning the Oscar. He hasn't worked with either of them before. If this movie starred two big actresses, if it had starred Zoe Deschanel and whoever, and it's like, well, they got along well, this and that. I don't understand how he got the two of them to agree to do this. Even for
3: cameos, he's calling in Channing Tatum and Anne Hathaway, also peaking.
2: Right, we have to talk about Tatum. But before, I just think the sweetest move, the sweetest Don John moment, is when he wants to buy Swiffers and then he sincerely advocates for like how Swiffers are good and obviously this is a scene that's designed for ScarJo to like emasculate him and be like you can't talk to me about mops like that's disgusting men don't talk about that but he he likes to keep his apartment clean. That's okay. I don't know. I, oh, the only time I connected to Don
1: John was when I am like, well, this guy, I don't know. He's, he seems to have gotten into having a nice apartment. I felt bad for him. Most of the time, I don't like him, but I was like, come
2: on. Because like, well, yeah, the first 20 minutes of the movie, he's like, I fucking love Pornhub and I hate sex with women. It's so boring. And I'm just like, this is a weird opening pitch, buddy. Like, But
3: they do that at the cost of Scarlett Johansson's character. Who you're supposed to believe has a really strong stance of whether or not Don John is allowed to clean his own apartment. (laughs) Yes.
0: It's also in any better version of this movie, the point of that scene isn't look at how much of a bitch she is. The point of that scene is, oh, my God, I've never seen you get this passionate talking about anything like this should be the scene where they're like, oh, there's the root of something there that you could focus your, You should start a cleaning business or fucking whatever, you know? Like, in, in, And instead, she's like, don't talk to me. This is disgusting. I yeah. can't see... We, we're in public. In the more functional, crappy version of this movie, that is an activation moment of this could be a career for you. Somehow, there's some lateral move from you like things being clean. You appreciate the value of a good Swiffer.
2: Channing Tatum. We have to talk about him because he... Is the original? Originally, he was going to be Don John. Wow! Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, good to work. Here's the two things. That's the thing. Does the movie work with Tatum as Don John? Especially like 2012 Channing Tatum, right? Like yep. you know, yep. Right after
3: Magic
0: Mike. Yes, absolutely. I think it works.
3: The body makes much more sense. Like I, like he clearly like put in work on this movie. He is right. He's and he looks like fine. up a little bit. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but like you, I'm just not buying him. If you were on Jersey shore, he would be like the twerpiest guy on that, in that cast. And like, he is, he's just never really pulling off this working class Jersey type upbringing that he never had. I don't really know what Channing Tatum's upbringing was, but I would believe it if you told me that that's like the kind of thing that he came from. Joseph Gordon-Levitt was a child actor was like born in LA
2: Right, Channing Tatum is, like, he's from the South. He's from, like, um, Alabama, and then he lived in Florida, or, you know, something like that.
1: When Channing Tatum is in, like, a tank top and a chain, you're like, okay, yeah, this is what you're, that's what you wear. It's not a costume.
2: What I read was that Christopher Dolan's big advice was don't act in the movie if you want to write and direct it, because that will be exhausting and annoying. Like, And he's like, what if,
3: what if I'm in
2: every scene?
3: <laughs> <Rick>. <laughs>
1: They told
0: Zach Braff that about Garden State, and then every interview, he said, everyone told me not to do this, and now look. It's also, that's the fundamental problem, is I think he so badly wants to have the sort of, like, Bradley Cooper star is born moment, where they're like, this guy writes his own destiny now. Joseph Gordon-Levitt has studied under the Masters, and now he's only going to make Joseph Gordon-Levitt movies. He's Warren Beatty, you know?
2: Yeah. Um. So... Is this movie more successful with Tatum? Yes, I, I would say probably. Absolutely,
0: yeah. I think it's arguably good if if he's in it. I just think about the scene in Magic Mike where he goes in to try to get the the business loan from from Betsy Brandt. He's trying his hardest to seem like an adult, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's being very sweetly condescending to him, and it's like if he had that energy in this movie, I I kind of actually feel for this character. And he could play a porn addiction dark. Yes. Right.
3: I'd be like, oh, this is this is rough, you know?
1: So Anne Hathaway is in it. And and she and just Gordon Levitt were sort of seen as counterparts at, at, at this time. I think there was like even prior to Don John coming out as successful as he'd been, there was the beginnings of some backlash to it where it was but try hard theater kid. Yeah. Where it was like they're very polished theater kids, good performers, good actors, but they don't feel like people and i think him starring in it and then him doing all this press for it where he talked about directing it really associated you with him the guy talking about his smart movie in a way that then wouldn't allow you to watch the movie and separate the character from it so where you couldn't feel bad for him whereas like with tatum you'd be like oh god this guy can't
0: fucking figure it out like that that's the other problem is Joseph Gordon Levitt reads smart on screen, right? Like he just kind of naturally does. And yeah, a lot of his best yeah. performances have been guys who understand what's going on and are in control. Right. And and just innately when you're watching this movie that is this director trying and failing to make big points about like society and the state of masculinity and the face on screen delivering those points is the same face of knowingness. It just feels so arrogant. And I remember some podcast around the time that Magic Mike came out, or even maybe before that, when like it, it, people were shitting on Channing Tatum. And this one person said, like, I don't know if he's a good actor yet, but he's just kind of innately interesting as a movie star because he looks dumb. Like there's something yeah. just innately about <laughs> his face. And everyone's like, whoa, that's mean. And this person was like, no, no. But I, like I say, this is a compliment. There's something about his just natural resting face that makes it look like he does not understand what's going on. And it makes him innately sympathetic. You're feeling for the guy because it's like a dog trying really hard to understand the situation. So you can put him in something like The vow. And go like, well, I'm rooting for this guy to get his girlfriend's memory back. Look at how sad he looks. He's so confused by the situation. And a movie like this where the conflict is so dumb, I would actually, I think, feel for him if he was giving that puppy dog look.
1: No, yeah, you'd be like, oh, can't you see? Like this is this thing you think you like is what's stopping you from being happy. Like you would just just be like, oh no. But with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you're like, you fucking know the difference. Like, what are you doing? Right.
0: It's it's like Bugs Bunny looking at the audience and saying, like, you see what I'm saying here?
1: Well, when he's lying, like when he has that sequence where he's sitting on his bed and it's getting more and more unmade, even though we know he loves to keep his apartment tidy, and he's talking about how you know he. He's even happier now that she's gone because now he gets to like break his own record of how many times he's jerked off in a day, and it's like what he's saying is he's lying to himself, but it just like doesn't re it's like he's not even convincing me that he's trying to convince himself it it well it's also like there's
2: no sign of like at the point in the movie where he's supposedly melting down, jerking off like fifty times a week or whatever he's been dumped and like. The only sign that there's any negative impact on him is that he like yells more when he's driving. Like he's like, especially he punches a window
1: and he's kind of, and it just kind of hurts for a minute,
2: right? There's <laughs> nothing in his performance, right? Yeah. He like, gets. he has like terminator powers, but like he does not seem remotely different. He's not yeah. putting that into The character, I don't know. That is
1: also an ego moment to be like, one punch, I shattered the car window.
0: (laughs) it, It didn't make me bleed and I didn't break my hand. I walk straight into church with a bloody fist. I don't take time to even wrap it, you know?
2: And then these scenes with his friends who are like ghosts. Like, it's like they are these people who visit him in his apartment and no one else sees them or they're in the club. But he's just talking to himself. Like, it's like, yeah, this guy, he's got his friends. I'm like, he has he just goes to different places and people talk at him. He goes to Tony Danza. He goes to, the you know, the family. They yell at him. He goes to his pad. They yell at him he just does not seem like a human being at any point until the last 20 minutes.
3: The Channing Tatum thing is really interesting. Like it's got me like, so Channing Tatum, I think fought against that, uh, like being pigeonholed as a dumb guy,
2: the himbo thing. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly. He was getting amazing roles. He was able to play them at an extremely high level, dramatically and comedically. Mm hmm. Uh, but he fought against, he hasn't been in a movie since 2017.
0: Right, I mean he's another career we talked about where it, it's weird because it just felt like that guy had it totally figured out and he didn't really have the mistake moment that Jogo did, you know? But I think he might have
3: not wanted to do that kind of stuff anymore potentially but Joseph Gordon-Levitt might have been doing the opposite thing where like this guy reads smart on screen, this is like the worst kind of failure possible, where like he reads smart on screen. He wants to play dumb in a right. movie and you watch it and you're like, well, you're not that kind of dumb.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yes. You're obviously right. not pulling this off in a, in a smart way, but like, it's not, it's, this not that's this is different from the kind of dumb that this movie is. You know, your,
0: your dumbness is reflected in the fact that you thought you were a good casting choice. And that this was a good concept for a movie. It's
1: unfortunately, the dumb thing is you overestimate how how and why we like you or how much. It's,
0: yes, it's such a fascinating thing of, of just like, I, I feel like it's a thing we talk about a lot on this show, especially when we get to movies that are so much more like about the star as auteur rather than director. And especially when we're talking about something like this, where the star is directing themselves. But just like how much of it is. Do you understand the way you play on screen or not? Right. And the fatal like missteps that people can make in their careers are totally misinterpreting how they play on screen, how the audience thinks of them. And even worse, which I think is what Gordon Levitt did, thinking I can do anything. I'm a blank slate. I'm malleable. I can reset every time and make the audience establish a whole new relationship to how I play on screen. What's
3: weird is it it is choices. It's just bad choices because like I've seen in movies in Mysterious Skin, he can play he plays really dark in that movie. Like he can put like he can put on that face. But for this character, Don John, he decided that he should have like a DreamWorks smirk
1: yeah or like most of the movie
2: (laughs) you should have a a kung fu panda energy that's what you're saying yeah
3: and so that makes it impossible for his addiction which is like what he really wants you to like to to, like to take home is like this guy doesn't think he's addicted but he is and we all are and like to in, in these different ways but you're just like there's no impact of it because of the like sketch like Way he just walks into frame.
1: It plays as it plays as funny and it plays. It's cartoonish. Like it yeah. is. It's it, there's no like there's not the humanity to the guy that you would need to be like really pulling for him.
2: The movie makes no sense without that. No sense at all. It's it's an SNL sketch without that. That's ninety minutes long.
0: It's a digital short, yeah.
1: I texted Griffin that um, it does occur
0: to me that like a young actor- You should read this verbatim. <laughs> I really think, I'm sorry to do this, Sean, but, yeah, but it, was, it was so perfectly worded last night.
1: I said, starting Don John, it occurs to me that a young actor writing and directing his own vanity project is literally masturbatory. And that was his chosen subject matter. Is it a knowing wink or a lack of self-awareness? If I know JGL, and I do, he must be in on the joke.
0: Uh, a, a thing I I had f- forgotten, but I just in pulling up the the deadline story about the this movie Sundance deal. It was screened under the title Don John's Addiction. Yes, and Relativity's Two notes when they bought it were, hey, don't worry. The good news is you've made a masterpiece. We're putting it wide. We're releasing in 2000 screens in the summer. You just need to do two things for us. Shorten the title and uh, make the porn clips less NC-17. Because apparently when they screened it at Sundance, it just had like hardcore penetration and everything. You talking about the clips being censored, that was like... The one note, we could release this wide if you take out the genitals.
1: I, yeah, I assume that you can't, you, you don't want to show like super graphic, like penetration stuff in, in
0: this movie. It would
1: feel off tone a little bit too. But Hayes was missing it. Hayes, was- <laughs> now, I, I
3: think it would have been a, a more successful movie because you would have been just kind of like more revolted by the content in, in that format. You know, like like if we're really supposed to be in this guy's head where he's like addicted to this stuff, like it is weird to show a sanitized version of it.
1: Yeah. It because it's like coming off the Carl's Jr.'s commercial stuff, it is like T and A for this guy. Like it feels like that is what it is about. It is this sort of surfacey <laughs> kind of maybe. Thing. I mean,
3: like he's into like he 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 doesn't like. He talks about how he hates missionary. Yeah. like he like, he 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 likes. He hates going stuff. down
2: on ladies. You know, yeah. there's there's all that stuff that's kind of like. I don't know how. Like obviously, I know the character is not being presented sympathetically. He's supposed to be. We're supposed to be watching this, being like, all right, this guy's kind of you know messed up, but. I had nothing to hold up. I mean my wife was sitting next to me watching this movie just constantly asking me why he made this movie that was just her <laughs> only question Yeah She was just like I, and she was I wouldn't say she was mad at the end of it but she was like disappointed in Joseph Gordon Levitt I think that is the clearest emotion that emerged where she's like he put together a movie and this is what he wanted to explore
3: What's so insanely weird about like exploring this topic which is like sexualization of, of culture and like these like these, these false representations of love and sex and like the Carl's Jr commercials and all this and saying who is like the victim of this in society it's this guy who can't stop jerking off
2: <laughs> this poor guy
3: yes <laughs> meanwhile it's showing super cuts of just women getting <laughs> just absolutely destroyed in one way or another but the
0: villain of the movie is a There's a hot woman. It also feels like such a reflection of like a very specific year of discourse that I think peaked before this movie, uh, you know, before he even started writing it of is porn ruining people, you know, like is porn breaking a generation of young men. Fundamentally, it, it,
2: this feels like it's about the year Facebook debuted. Because this is also one of those movies yeah. where he's like, "I found them on Facebook," and he acts like this is like some Sherlock. How'd level, you find you know?
1: my, right? But how'd like, you find my Facebook. Yeah, but it's the,
2: he's always turning
3: on. You hear the boot up sound so many times. It's like, why is this guy turning off his computer? <laughs> yeah, like, keep
0: it on. <laughs> What's going on? Standby mode, my man. If this was two thousand and seven,
2: right? It's like, okay, streaming video and Facebook are, are uh, how is this changing society in 2013, I remember feeling weird.
1: The observations about porn to feel a little bit like stand upy like he's sort of doing yeah. he's doing these like monologues about like you know porn can't talk back, but I gotta find just the right clip. It's just like all this, where it's just like.
3: And when she's down there, she's in a hurry. When (laughs) I'm watching my porn, I can take all the time I want. Yeah.
2: The only shot is him just sitting at his desk, which is like at the head of his bed, just quietly masturbating in a room with like four pieces of furniture total.
3: It's kind of weird the way he does it, too, where he just like sits down at his desk and like
2: he's going to work. He sits <laughs> upright and he's just like, OK, and he turns on <laughs> like his computer A-Rod chair. <laughs> <laughs> like how much of the production was just him being like, all right, now I have to pretend to masturbate again. Like, OK, you know, like how how men how much footage is there of him like quietly you know, sitting at a desk for montage, essentially. My, my
0: my question is, was there like two days just completely blocked off just for jo Or was it like every time they shot at the apartment, they were like, we should get a little J-O footage to end off the day, you know? Like, let's get a little B-roll before we call it quits.
3: That's part of the thing with him playing this role, too. If you told me that this was something that Joseph Gordon-Levitt had actually dealt with, I would on un- I would not believe you.
0: No, fundamentally unconvincing.
3: Yes, the way like like when John Mayer talks about like preferring that to real sex, I'm like sure, totally believe that. Uh, like Channing Tatum, I I would buy in this role, but Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a weirdly asexual president. It's like kind of why he why he worked for what 500 days of summer is trying to do. Like he's, he's not bringing any sexuality to that role at all. So this is just something that is totally alien to him, but he's still making his first movie about.
2: That's what's so weird. It felt like he's trying to convince us. Like I get laid too. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you do Joe.
3: Like it's Okay. But you're, but you're not, like, you're, you're not, like, this is not a
0: fixation for you. I know that. I just, I've seen you. This movie is utterly lacking in any sort of, like, lived-in specificity, right? It feels like a lot of conjecture on his part.
1: Or, like, overheard conversations.
2: When he says, I never actually touch my cock till I find the right clip. I start with some stills. Like, do you... What I don't know what that means. Like, it's like it's just like you can't touch it, like because that will what Joseph?
1: He's <laughs> he's addicted to porn, but he looks at still. But also the the here's the thing that I really really made me think of like stand up or like overheard conversations. It's of course it has its downsides. Every now and then the camera will pan over to the guy right when Yo! you're starting to bust, and he's like, hey, I don't want to see that. He's like coming while he's looking <laughs> at the guy's face. And I'm just like, this is so old, this like bit, like like, it's insane. This is not an issue you've had. Right. How can you be that
2: deep in a porn addiction where you jerk off multiple times a day, but you're still like, but I don't want to see anything with a dude though. (laughs) Like you
0: haven't gone down any rabbit holes at all. It does feel to me like this, this is the cinematic equivalent of like, the kid at school who tries to convince you that he's lost his virginity. Yes. Ex- except the thing he's trying to convince you of is that he's masturbated before. Like this is Joseph Gordon. Levin, the director is like, yeah, no, I totally know what masturbation's like. Uh, you look at some still pictures. You don't touch it for a while. Rule Number one, don't touch the cock. Don't do it <laughs> don't, until you're ready. So you got an hour of buildup before you can even lay a finger on it. How many times a day? Uh, 11. <laughs> yes. watched porn i love it the the boobs but uh, man it sucks when there's a guy in it was anyone else concerned about what this guy's loads look like
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm like we should talk about it like it's it's gotta be, it, just, it just chalk it's, dust oh come on yeah <laughs> i mean and then he's having sex at the end of one of these days it's like it's why is Scarlett Johansson ever buying that he's not looking at portal? And she must be like, dude, nothing's coming out. Like, are- there's no moisturizer ever shown in the movie, and uh, yes, I'm like, yes. is this guy just like like dry yeah. going at it? He's dry dogging it 11 times a day, and then he has sex, and <laughs> and no one's going like,
0: is it? Are you? Are we good? Like, what's going down? Like, it's even more absurd that, well, he's not going down. We know that he doesn't like it. Oh, it's don't get me wrong. It's fine, but but uh, uh, he's jerking off 11 times a day. Then he's having sex with Scarlett Johansson, waiting for her to go to sleep, sneaking out of bed, and then jerking off more.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's the weird it's
0: always plays like right
3: after he has sex, having already jerked off the entire day. He's like lying in bed and he has to go turn on his computer to
2: jerk off. The woman is sleeping like, you know, perfectly still. And he just sort of like sneaks out of bed, which I also like, isn't his jerking off desk in the bedroom? I guess he has a separate like secondary jerking off area. And then like he's there. I mean, it's like the freaking 40 year old virgin bag of sand thing. Like this is this is the other. Now I'm just looking at the quotes page where he's like, uh. For the next few minutes all the bullshit fades away and the only thing in the world is those tits, that ass, the blowjob, the cowboy, the doggy, the money shot. It's like he googled like wikipedia like list of pornography terms. The cowboy. Oh, this
1: is perfect. This is exactly what Don John would like.
0: Also, David, <laughs> just hearing you recite the quote right now, it does strike me how similar structurally that little speech is to I live my life a quarter mile at a time like he was rather than pulling from real life looking at like what's a speech that a character gives about an overwhelming addiction to a subculture and then he's just replacing the car specifics with uh, a missionary uh, the doggy uh John is John wants the
1: cowboy style
3: do you know where this like I feel like this was also during the peak of relativity media where yeah. you would like go to you would always hear about like ryan kavanaugh he's got the algorithm he has a an actual like secret supercomputer where he knows what movies are successful and what aren't and this was probably like two years away from their bankruptcy
2: right yeah this is right they've just started being a distributor on top of being a production company right so like Griffin. I mean, some of their early hits: "Season of the Witch," uh, "The Cage" movie. Uh, what, what else do they have?
0: "The Warrior's Way." Oh boy, "Limitless." That was relativity. They had two genuine hits: "Limitless" and what was it called? The is it called uh, "Immortals"? Immortals, uh, which is the um, the Tarsem Singh movie. Tarsim's which- three hundred, but that movie actually made money to cover it in the in the. Uh, In the micro, uh, Ryan Kavanaugh was like a hedge fund dude who was like, I can use my business acumen to figure out the perfect formula for making hit movies. And he was really the first guy to say, I have an algorithm. It sounds quaint now, but it is why you pointed out, Hayes, that he was the guy who was like, I hired people. They developed a computer program. We can type eight elements in and know exactly what it's going to make, exactly what budget it deserves, and exactly which markets it's going to overperform in. And everyone just fucking bought it. And they were like a Rat Pack Dune-esque, we will help finance movies company that had such a good string of success that was largely just, let's bankroll Will Smith movies, right? Like it wasn't that galaxy brain what they were doing. They were just agreeing to finance movies with big stars.
3: Yeah, because Will Smith also had an algorithm. You remember, he was the other person who would always talk about, like, it's special effects, uh, it's, like, alien, like, whatever, it's like, if it checks a certain number of boxes, then I can be in it, and it'll be successful. But in both cases, the answer was just, Will Smith is in this movie.
0: He's, he's good. They got kind of lucky, you know, in a lot of cases, and then some of the goodwill carried over onto other things. But then, yes, relativity was, like, Fuck it. I think we can be DreamWorks. Like, I think we can go all in. And they buy Rogue Pictures, which was Universal's like short-lived attempt at having like a dimension, like horror genre label. And they were like, We will buy this entire apparatus. We will buy your distribution and marketing team and your pipeline. And they overspend on that and are like, We are gonna make even more money now because we don't need to share it with the studios. And this was one of their early. Moves. This was like an early one where they were like, "We're younger, we're fresher, we have the algorithm, we're making the movies the studios wouldn't touch, and it's going to bear fruit." Demented.
2: This year they had they had Haywire. Okay, well, Haywire is twenty twelve. Okay, Mirror Mirror. Mm. Remember the other Snow White movie? Yes. Then twenty thirteen, right? Don John, the family. Remember the family with uh, De Niro and Pfeiffer oh, movies Jesus. that really don't exist. Yeah, like um the the like Haley Steinfeld Romeo and Juliet movie, uh, that Keanu Reeves movie Forty Seven Ronin that cost like a bajillion dollars and nobody saw it, that like Scott Cooper uh, out of the furnace, like these are movies that would have stars in them,
3: yeah, that I was excited about.
2: Me too. Uh, it was a
3: good cast, and I was like, and then you're just like, oh, I hear this is good, and you don't even bother.
1: I watched it on a plane after being like, well, it's gotta be kinda good, and then was like, no, there's <laughs> nothing about it that works for me.
2: Their 2014 is so bleak. Right. Cause then um Three Days to Kill, Oculus. I'm just gonna say these because I don't even know what some of these are. Brick Mansions. We teaser
3: freezer three days to kill as well. We it seems like I think we also did we also did the November Man, which was a relativity movie.
2: That's one that's in this year. Uh Earth to Echo. Um, The Best of Me, of course, Beyond the Lights, Griffin, which is actually good, but was a A
0: masterpiece. Right. Brick Mansions, which is the remake, like the the three years late, like 10 years late remake of District 13, the original parkour movie starring Paul Walker, like two years after he died. Everything about that movie was poorly timed. Everything. But all
2: these movies are just kind of cursed, like the Lazarus effect. Black or white that um, you know, Kevin Costner has to steal his children from like their family or whatever. Like Jane Got a Gun, obviously one of the most famous. Extremely like, you know,
3: cursed movies.
2: Right. And then their last release was Masterminds, the, the, the much delayed uh, Galifianakis comedy. Wow! Oh,
1: I saw
0: that in the theater as well e- Even just, it's so telling that they did not make The Woman in Black Which was a surprise hit But they did make The Woman in Black sequel, Angel of Death
2: Which they foolishly did not call The Woman Back in Black My, my number one <laughs> angriest They called it The Woman in Black, Angel of Death They they'd left that on the table
3: So it's not just uh, bad luck no. With with that collection of movies, you are actually very bad at this. They
2: they made movies that were similar to hit movies, but like it just sort of felt like someone had come in and pitched to their fucking algorithm, and they were like, "Yeah, this sounds like the kind of movie that people buy tickets for." And that's they were all kinds of that.
1: Right. Once you tell people what your algorithm is, people go like, "Okay, now we can get inside. <laughs> like, we could actually extract the money from them just by checking off certain boxes." they are in no way filtering for like quality.
3: (laughs) And it shows like why it definitionally doesn't work to just do an algorithm based on existing success of movies, because it has already been done at that point. Like you're not like uh, getting ahead of a trend in a way that can like make you huge, huge, huge amounts of money because you're doing it for the first time. You're
0: just doing stuff that has been done better. Before. But there's also, I think, a fine point that really fucked them that they didn't consider, which is even if the algorithm held any water, right? Let's say that was the magic formula, right? That they actually did have the code. You're in a very different position if you have the algorithm and Sony Pictures comes to you and says, This is our slate for 2010. Pick three of these movies that you want to help finance, and they can run you know, the algorithm on 10 movies that a major studio has greenlit with major stars, top talent, what have you, right? Versus them opening their doors and saying, come to us, pitch us your movies. Let's find things at a film festival. They're now running the algorithm only on the things that the major studios passed on.
1: That other people, yeah, didn't think would make it. Yeah, that's right. right. They're
0: running the algorithm on leftovers.
3: But this movie is clearly not part of the formula. This is just them becoming like any other studio and saying like, well, we got to make this for the relationship. There's no way that this is like part of the algorithm.
0: I'll say this. I think there's a two prong thing. One is I think they were betting on Joseph Gordon-Levitt, both as a leading man and as a director, they wanted him to feel at home in relativity. It was a long-term play of just let's get him in our good graces. Because now I think they're like, well, Will Smith won't do a relativity movie. Now that we're a distributor so we need to be forming relationships with the guys who are on the cusp of becoming the A-list box office draws, especially if this guy's also an auteur. Let's indulge him, you know?
2: But then here's the other thing. Joseph Gordon-Levitt has hit record, which I think he's, like, fooling people into thinking is, like, going to be this hub of talent. Like, is right. yeah. it's that early online, early sort of Twitter era where it's like, Hey, man, I'm just going to the people, and people are giving me movies and all that
1: stuff. He had this really cool idea that people could make videos and like put the <laughs> videos online. No, hang on, Griffin. Yeah, 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 yeah. The videos would be available online. And so you'd be watching this video from somebody who wasn't, you know, they weren't a famous filmmaker, they were just like, a, you know, some buddies with a camera. And they actually put it on the internet, on, on a website. And so this, and this is what Hit Record Joe was all about, which no one had sort of thought of this before.
0: You're missing, though, what was kind of his key differentiating factor, right? His competitive advantage, which was they don't pay you for the videos. That's where he really kind of revolutionized the space. <laughs> You're part of a community. They pay you in community. Right. You get, you get clout. It's good for the resume. Yes.
1: Well, and and your video could be introduced by
0: Joe being like,
1: hey, man, this guy really, this guy hit the shit out of record. This guy was, I let me tell you, this one coming up, he was hitting record so hard and leaving it recording for the entirety. So, and then he'd go, I hope you enjoyed that. Damn, the record got hit, huh? And then ultimately, they always do have to hit stop. So please come back. We'll be hitting record again tomorrow.
3: He had this affectation at the time when we talked about uh, the, the, the trailer that he introduced on our first episode. Right.
2: He's doing a voice. I remember this.
3: Where he would begin all these videos and he would go,
2: are we recording?
3: Like as if he was like fake. He knew. He knew that they were recording. There's someone else in the room.
1: You're definitely not hitting the button right now because the, your audio was being recorded before you even reached for the button. I remember this from the teaser freezer.
2: He's like, hey, like, or regular Joe here, or ordinary Joe, regular right? He Joe had some, like, regular, yes. regular Joe.
0: That's his other thing. He would do intros on trailers. Not only this movie that he directed, but you can see there's this incredibly weird artifact that is Channing Tatum and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, the two best friends in the world, disliked the way Paramount was promoting Stop Loss. The, the post-Iraq War trauma movie that they were only supporting characters in. And so they cut their own trailer that they thought was a better pitch for the movie and upload it themselves and have a similarly bizarre intro where they're like, hey, I'm Joe Levitt and I'm Channing Tatum. We really care about this movie. We worked really hard on it. Just a couple friends really putting their heart and soul into something.
3: That was Kim Pierce's, like, her big right. follow-up. Big that flop. Also, like,
1: yeah. I have a... A quick as we were walking through Joseph Gordon-Levitt's career, I have a small personal story. It reminded me of that maybe Hayes will remember. This will go into the list of times that I've like immediately kind of alienated myself from my bosses upon getting a new job. But, um, <laughs> but it's related to Brick. So, uh, do you remember Hayes when we had that lunch? right at the beginning of the grinder where you and I sat next to Nick Stoller. Yes. And he was going like, oh, uh, he was just like waxing poetic about how he had just seen Mad Max for like the third time, uh, Fury Road, and was just like it's unbelievable, it's the greatest movie I've ever seen. I can't fucking even understand like how they made it, like it's so good. And then I having never met him before and he it is you know, a nice guy, uh, by all accounts, we have mutual friends, but I had never seen it before and I just turned and for some reason went like, it's a good car chase. <laughs> and, and and which was like a little bit my bit about like when people were talk about that movie. And then he immediately got kind of mad and was like, thought I was like shitting on the movie or making fun of him for liking a movie that was just a car chase and just like goes like. Okay man, like what What do you want then? Like what fucking movies do you like? Me not being able to break out of the bit goes I only watch modern noir. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said like Brick. Mm-hmm. Really and brutal. Then, and then he went Okay. <laughs> like wow. Like, brick was, was actually cool about like I had an answer like I was like no there's a specific kind of movie I like and this doesn't fit in that category and that actually was good enough for him uh, which was super generous (laughs) but like then we never uh, talked again and and he just immediately I think was like this fucking guy I don't like
0: him but can I can I share my final uh, little piece of theory on why relativity went so hard for this movie sure uh I don't think I I, I maybe I've maybe shared an anecdote about this before on the podcast. But I, in 2009, was an intern for Relativity for a week so that I could get a badge at the Cannes Film Festival and sneak into movies. It was like through like a a family friend, a friend, a friend had an in with Kavanaugh. And they were like, you know, if if you can fly yourself there and find some place to stay they'll like give you the badge and the accreditation, whatever you could see movies. Um, and my main job ended up being, you know, they had like a, a suite at the hotel that was their office. And he was like wheel and deal and trying to make big moves. But this was before they'd become distributor. But the whole thing was our party has to be like the best fucking party. And my main job is the lowest person. On the totem pole was like uh, collate the list, the guest list, Right. And then when they realized that I like had good name and face recognition for not just like actors, but directors and stuff, they were like, oh, you're going to be the bouncer at the party. So it was me, uh, even scrawnier than I am now, uh, with two like six foot five French bodyguards who I could not communicate with because they did not speak the same language as me. And I would give them a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And they would enforce my decisions. And I just had the master list. But the main guiding principle of the list was, and and Kavanaugh himself was not telling me this, but it was like the people who were extending the message from Kavanaugh. You know, if it was Will Smith, it's like he gets plus 15. This is Will Smith's best friend. He gets plus 10, right? We want anything in the world for Will. Anytime it was an actress, if he knew they had a boyfriend, no plus one.
3: That's the algorithm. Just, you know, it's not it's not that he himself is a yeah. bad guy. Right. This is this is Wall Street stuff. You don't understand.
1: Actresses, boyfriends. Actually, the algorithm don't like that.
0: Right. Like I would look at the list and I go like, hey, uh, I think I noticed a mistake here. Natalie Portman doesn't get a, have a, a plus one. And he was like, no, she has a boyfriend. Ryan doesn't want him to come.
3: Okay, let me just check the formula here. Okay, the, her boyfriend will not be coming to this party.
1: The math, ran the numbers, and the math is saying, actually, that her boyfriend... no, Doesn't know. exist. I, will, I right. will
0: also say... The little,
1: like, Fisher Price cash
3: register that he's... <laughs>
0: at, at, the end, at the end of the night when they let me walk into the party uh, as a reward... Uh, the biggest name there was Jim Sheridan and his wife sitting, looking very confused on a couch in the corner. Uh, none of the big people showed up, I don't think. Uh, but um, it, it, the aesthetic of the party was identical to the nightclub scenes in this movie. And I think Ryan Kavanaugh saw this movie and was like, this is the defining story of a generation. <laughs> you know, like he was like, everyone's going to relate to this so fucking hard. Joe's saying what we're all thinking. This is going to unify these
1: guys standing there just rating the girls one to 10 and arguing about it. And I'm just like, we're doing this scene like they don't even have a system that's unique to them or something like they they don't even have a lazy like writers. Like she's a
3: dime. No, she's an eight. This is the kind of thing that would not have made it into and didn't make it into swingers. A movie that came out twenty
0: years earlier or or also would have been cut out of entourage yeah, absolutely yes any yes. given episode of entourage, this would not have made the shooting draft
1: no. the guy who plays his friend there is like a a real turtle knockoff, like he's the a tortoise the totally. Jerry Ferrara style <laughs> man who plays yes. one of his best friends is heartbreaking,
3: but that like entourage. Uh, Sean watched more of it than I did, but like I would give it more credit than this, where they would do a thing where uh, drama has his own weird system that's like different from the from the one to ten scale that would have been like a, at least like an attempt at doing something.
1: Oh yeah, no, they would have had yeah, they would have had. He would have rated them as like different like vitamin supplements or something. She's a C, like oh no, yeah. not like
3: a C, and that like C, like vitamins, like that's good. You need yeah, vitamin C. No, right.
1: that's actually yeah. that's premium, that's expensive yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. good writing. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Joe's funny.
0: <laughs> David, are there other? I feel like you keep on like trying to get uh, uh, important pieces of context in, and then we go and <laughs> Joe
2: The big no, no, no. The big thing was the Tatum thing. I mean, I do love Christopher Nolan giving notes on this movie, but um... I
0: can't imagine. Yeah.
2: This movie just kind of bums me out, like the Brie Larson moment where she's been silent the whole movie. She's on her phone. You know, girls these days, they're always texting or whatever that's supposed to be.
0: Another person he hasn't worked with up until this point. It's inexplicable. She did not owe him a favor.
3: I, th- I figured it was like a Jump Street relativity Maybe that she was in that world
2: Right exactly like that maybe that's what it is Because it's otherwise it's the same with ScarJo Where you're just like oh were they in like A kind of just a weird spot no Big moment for them. This is the year she's in Short turn Twelve. Big moment for Brie Larson. Like, but then, like, when she has the like speech, you know, she like finally speaks, and it's like, oh, words of wisdom from his, you know. Well,
1: it's the it's her silent Bob moment. If we that's all remember. exactly <laughs> what it is, and it's so yes, fucking yes. annoying. And, <laughs> yes, and chasing Amy, especially where Silent Bob has the whole monologue that it gives you the title of the film. Right, still waters run deep. Yes, yes. It's been silent the entire time, but then. He gives you the really the premise of the entire film is delivered by this character who's never spoken, and when she gives that speech, there's no speech. It's like a half. This is what you're gonna say, right? Like, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah you should be nice. Like she doesn't even say anything. Absolutely, she says but-
1: like that chick's a bitch. Like that is that is what the other like primary like young female character in the movie goes like. Come on, that. <laughs> That bitch out for herself. Like that's really what her whole shit is. And then the and then her, the parents are like, "Wow, yeah, because they've been
2: complaining for five minutes." They're like, I want a grandson. Oh, why are you doing dumping Scar scarjo you idiot? You know, like, and then she's like, oh, "She wasn't nice." And they're like, "Oh, check out, no, oh, uh, Monica's weighing in here. All right." And it just where you can wear your influences on your sleeve or whatever right, is a first time. Phil, I don't mind if he thinks kevin smith is great or what like that's that's not even my problem but it's what you guys there's not even an embellishment it's it's kind of just like a shitty version of it and then that's then then it's like let's move on
1: yeah it wasn't just chasing amy he did it in clerks too silent bob is never speaks and then he says there are many beautiful women in the world but not all of them will bring you lasagna at work <laughs> and this was in fact an homage to it's a bad homage to that Yeah, they don't. It's not even as poignant as the lasagna work line from Clerks. It
0: it is fascinating, like on a just him as a writer, you feel like chasing Amy must be in his mind's eye, the thing he's striving for, which is like people saying like, you know, I mean, look, the thing's kind of a mess, but like he's got a lot of ideas. Joe's got a lot to say. You know, he's really digging into stuff.
3: But even the argument with, like, talking about the parents, the arguments he has with his dad are so substance-free. It's just like about like what's whether or not his dad knows about TiVo, and it honestly does sound like chuffa and like. (laughs) But it's an entire scene of it. Like, what you know about the TiVo? Like, this is like this records the TV. You don't know about this.
1: I'd love to have a TiVo. Who are you in love with? He says he loves TiVo. It's
3: so sad, but like also the performances, I love Glenn Headley, and I think she's actually good in this movie. It's very sad that she died. She was wonderful. Very sad that
0: this is one of her last films.
3: It's terrible. Tony Danza is this is horribly written. He is also very bad in this movie. He's also made up inexplicably. It looks like he's wearing rouge at every sequence. Looks like, <laughs> he looks like La Bufona in like some comedia El
0: project.
3: It's totally inexplicable why his cheeks are so red. He's got it looks like he has eyeliner on. It, it's only him that got this treatment in the movie. And he's supposed to be like a <laughs> Like a, like a ta- classic Italian dad type thing He and his son Both have very strange bodies for these roles Where they're weirdly just like too wiry <laughs> like,
0: They should be a little overweight Do you think that by casting Tony Danza He thought he was doing a reclamation project Like totally. this is going to be his boogie nights it, yes, he absolutely. I
2: mean, remember, this is one of the cast members he actually has a connection to because Danza is in Angels in the Outfield. Yeah, it's one of the wow. it's one of the only
1: ones where he's probably like, "Hey, Tony, you want to do me a favor?" But yes, I think he said, "Hey, Tony, let me do you a favor." <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I I do not think. It was
0: ever framed as I owed you one and now I won't anymore. Yeah. There
2: was at least one Sundance party where someone was like, I mean, Danza's pretty good in Don John. Like, you know, I didn't see that coming. Danza and Don like that. Someone tried to float that narrative. Yes. Somebody
1: was like, yeah. And then was like looking like reading like, do you agree? Do I should I? Try to get him in something. <laughs> right. Danza's pretty good and dumb. <laughs> John, yes, we're thinking. No, it's a just. No, 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 no. I know. No, I'm doing ironic bits.
3: One reason. I mean, that it's kind of a bummer. Like to what you're saying is like original idea. Like that they got like 10 million or something to make. Uh, Like it's like the size of movie that we lament like doesn't happen any like doesn't get this kind of distribution doesn't get this kind of promotion and made it more difficult for that to happen again not because of the box office like I think it did fine yeah especially compared to like what it cost. but it's one of those it's like a hangover Two phenomenon where you're like okay well hangover three is not gonna (laughs) bring this in we're not gonna come back for more of this.
0: Right. It comes back to haunt you. It, the other thing is, I mean, talk about like that's his whole thing as a writer. Right. The like, I just want people to see I'm overflowing with ideas. I have real things to say. I'm not trying to just entertain people. You know, I'm trying to start a conversation. And as a director, this movie has the energy of like a music video commercial guy making a movie for the first time. Who's like, look at all the tricks I can show up. I can when he throws a cum wad in the garbage can. I'll drop the sound of emptying the trash on your computer. So he's doing like t- two different types of over eager first time filmmaker at the same time. And it feels to me almost like a strategic thing of like, well, once I prove myself, I'm going to be making big studio films. This is the last time I'll be able to experiment this much. My next feature is going to be on rails, you know? I, I'm going to be gunning for best picture.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'll be making, or he'll be making Captain America at that. You know, like he's going to get snapped the fuck up.
1: I'll be tied into these big franchises where I'm it's, there's fan service as an element of it. And so this is, is really my freedom.
2: Period. I have to yeah. leave it all on the table here. Like I have to, I have to take a shot at the Catholic church, which I will do. I'm I will, I'll point out that the confession system is busted. I'll sneak that in at the end of my movie. So it's the
1: same fucking prayers for everything. Mm -hmm. We all thought everyone's been saying this works, but I am saying it's a little (laughs) bit arbitrary. Maybe speaking of
3: one more thing, speaking of busting one more thing about his understanding of, of jerking off. This is a guy who jerks off all day long, every single day, 11, 15, 20 times a day. But he also goes through a period where he nuts in every single pair of pants that he has because of his girlfriend like rubbing her butt on his crotch or whatever. This is a guy who does nothing but ejaculate all day and is still
2: brought to
3: completion. It has no tolerance in Every <laughs> pair of pants yeah.
1: through two pairs of denim, through two layers of denim. <laughs> also in that same period like so he he's not allowed to use his computer at home anymore to watch porn and jerk off but he is addicted to porn. So he's watching it all the time in public. It is very, I, I thought it was very, an excellent delivery when Julianne Moore does sit down next to him in class and goes like, were you just watching two people fucking on your phone? Yeah. <laughs> like seamlessly. Cause he's being a dick to her and he's being like high status. And then she just like drops it and goes like, were you just watching people fuck on your phone? And he's like, no, no. And it's, it's not mean, but she totally takes the power. But her, are we to believe that he's, like, jerking off in his car? Like, is that what's going on? Like, is this, this is like,
0: now... Right, it's, it's become, like, shame-level shit, where it's not yeah. just this guy's addicted to porn. It's, like, there are weirder things going on here in terms of that compulsion combined with his seeming revulsion at the idea of real people.
3: Like, it's it's so close. He even has, like, Requiem for a Dream style cuts and stuff when he's, like, going through these sequences. But, like, he manages to not even come close to any level of darkness about what, like, he thinks is a
0: very dark subject. Yeah. I just want to circle back. Like, one of the major ills that is haunting society. Like, this movie is him saying, like, we have to talk about our young men. What's happening to them? I just want to circle back quickly and point out because uh, uh, attention paid properly to uh, how quickly the guy busts a nut, uh, uh, dry humping through two uh, uh, layers of denim. We forgot to mention that it also happens outside of her apartment
1: immediately after she has told him that they can't hook up. Like they, he starts to sort of go like for her shirt, and she goes like, "No, not out here, not in the hallway. Like I live here." But then she initiates them simulating like doggy style sex. Yes. Uh, in the and t- and takes it all the way to the limit and delays it until he'll agree to go to night school. Um, that was a strange scene.
3: She's good at that scene though. She's really, she's put in work at that scene. She was very successful.
1: Can I mention one th- other thing? Because we said the, uh, we talked about the Channing Tatum and Hathaway. Film. He has other movie posters and other movies. Did anybody take note of like who else was in? I think Kuba Gooding Jr. is it's in. It's
0: Kuba, yes.
1: Uh, hold on. I had the list here. Is John Krasinski yes. in the yes. poster?
3: Uh, a guy who pulled this off much better yes. than, yes. than yes. he did. Yes. No,
1: those guys, imagining the fucking bull sesh of Krasinski and Joe go chopping it up. Has me on the brink of suicide. But
3: he did it with a quiet like he because you have to do a genre movie. This is the mistake that uh that, that Jogo made.
1: But he missed first. He did Away We Go, he did brief conversation right. with the Hideous Men. That was and his they mistake. gave him more bites at the Apple because his sitcom was bigger than Third Rock.
0: But that's yes, exactly. That's the thing. Like Krasinski knew when to strike out on a on a smaller level, right? Away from the spotlights before he was ready to make the commercial play. And Jogo wanted the weird early one to also be the graduate, you know?
2: Yeah. He, Saturday Night Fever. I mean, that's what he's going for. This is like, This is the story of like a blue collar guy. And look, he's got some problems, but like, he's going to figure it out. I don't know. Like that seems to be the big pitch.
0: You have to imagine though, at this moment in time, people would have said like, I feel bad for Krasinski, you know, like Joe go just did exactly what he was trying to do. Right. And Krasinski's yeah. never going to be able to recover from brief interview with his <laughs> fans. Um, I, the, the one thing I want to, uh, uh, talk about in, in specifics, uh, briefly before we get to the box office game, cause you, uh, Sean, you mentioned uh, this movie feeling like him gunning to do Captain America and have to talk about respecting the source material and stuff. I believe the first thing he signs on to after this is to do Sandman. He's going to do Neil Gaiman's yep. Sandman. Oh yeah, often thought as one of the most unadaptable properties, and it's like I think I have a take. I know how to make it work as a movie. I'm doing it at Warner Brothers. He does the interviews where he's like, "Look, it's a it's a big responsibility. We're trying our hardest. We're going to have to take some major." narrative jumps you know it's it's a we're gonna adapt it's a different medium it's not gonna be one-to-one but he was going to direct and star correct uh the other two things that he signs up to do where he was a little more wishy-washy of like he's signing on as a producer he's developing the script he hasn't decided yet if he's going to star direct or both is uh little shop of horrors he wants to remake little shop of horrors playing seymour and he wants to do Fraggle Rock like Jason Siegel did the Muppets. And those are the three he sets up and none of them come to fruition. You talk about him sort of just disappearing for four years after this. It also felt like he was like the next move is the most important one.
3: I would love to talk about this. I have to I have to go. I'll let Sean take us out. Thank you for having me on the show. This was so much fun. Later. Hayes. Get out of your hands. Thank
2: you.
1: But
0: isn't it true The Little Shop of Horrors is being remade with Captain America, Chris, <laughs> Chris Evans? Uh, correct. And also, uh, Sandman is now being done on HBO Max as a TV show. And Fraggle Rock, they did as a TV show on Apple. Like, all three of his projects, just other people took them over. Yeah.
1: Uh, just, it reminds me, and talking about directors um, doing a movie like this and then uh, signing up for a franchise next when we went to see don't think twice uh, in theaters. There was a and a afterwards where somebody asked for like, you know, now that you've directed your second movie, like, have you thought about directing like a big franchise, like directing a comic book movie or something? And his answer was not like, they wouldn't let me. His answer was, he went, I mean, would you really... Want to watch that? Like, do you think that's better than this? Wow. And pointed at the screen where his movie had just played, and I felt bad for the person who asked because, like, clearly, yes, like <laughs> that's what they thought, right? <laughs> they, they were like, "You do question, good like, job." Yes, like it's just like they just came, they just paid to see your movie, and you're just like, "You shithead!" Like, you fucking watch that? And it's like your taste Whoa. is garbage.
0: Yeah, it's like, well, yeah. Um, I mean, I I've tried to dig up the video and i can never find it but i've pulled up a bunch of the excerpts and sent them to david over months but there's a interview an interview that jason reitman did i think when he was promoting juno or right after juno mm-hmm. uh on stern where he talks about all the big franchise movies he turned down like doing uh justice league and stuff and was just like i mean uh, Can you imagine how boring it would be if I made one of those movies? And then they were like, what about Ghostbusters 3? Would you do Ghostbusters 3? And he's like, I would make the most boring Ghostbusters film of all time. It would just be guys talking about busting ghosts and you'd never even see the ghosts on screen.
2: Yeah, he made it sound like it'd be a fucking art movie where people just in a coffee shop or whatever. like, Yeah, that's my kind of energy.
0: Right. And like coming off of Juno, which was a major fucking blockbuster acting like I'm so esoteric, I couldn't even get my head around making something. He was populist. geared up for Labor Day, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was in Labor Day mode and then to just see like the Gunner seat in the Afterlife trailer. I think
1: I I think that Josh Brolin saying, "Let's put a roof on this house" in the movie Labor Day as he like puts his arms around um, is it Kate Winslet? Uh to like to put the top on a pie that they've been making together might be the biggest laugh
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've had watching a film in like the past 10 years. I, and and might arguably was a career ruining moment for Reitman.
1: Yeah.
2: I found an interview with Joseph Gordon Levitt that was done this year well last 2020 you know for the like airplane movie he was on remember that movie Mm -hmm. 7500 where it's billed as like why he took a break from Hollywood right like you know so it's like okay what's the secret why did he take a break from Hollywood and it seems to be just like he like took a break like there's no secret here at all so I think Griffin you are right that he got a little paralyzed trying to pick his next big move and he got wrapped up in that Sam. That was an idiotic move. Cause Sandman is unadaptable for a movie because it's too sprawling. Like, you know, and I remember like that script got torn apart online or right. It was like Goyer or uh, Jack Thorne was involved. And, and like, so he dropped, he's like, okay, I don't want to, he made the right decision to be like, fine, forget it. I won't, you know, I won't do this, but that probably eats up a year.
1: I have a, a friend who is friends with like a real true blue, like a list actor I'm trying to figure out what specifics I can give. Cause I don't want to like share too much. Uh, not like I'm plugged in, but just that like this. So basically the person was, had done a string of like really well-received indies and gotten to the point where they were like, it was like, now you get to be the lead in a big franchise film. And they were offered three and the two they did not take were Thor and Avatar. Wow. Jesus. And the movie they took was such a tremendous bomb and money loser that they then had to go back down to indie films for like eight or nine years before it was like, okay, now you can make an A-list movie again. You know, and, and I know that they got offered like big paychecks and big movies then coming up and were... Totally fucking terrified to sign on for something. Cause it's also it's like three or four years of your life. Yeah, like if you're making like a big special effects, like huge budget type movie. And then when it comes out, then if you picked the wrong one, you're just like, now I have to like all my credibility's gone based on this thing. So I do get, I'm sure Joseph Gordon Levitt knows a bunch of people and has seen that happen to people.
0: Yeah, it's it's arguably the most fundamental decision is like the first major step you make. If the first one works, you can recover from the second one being a misfire. Yeah, you know, but if the end is well, sometimes they hit, sometimes they miss. Right, right. You can't be like Taylor Kitsch, you know, like you can't like enter the arena with Battleship and John Carter. You're done. You also can't have that thing
2: where you have three movies, none of them hit in one year, and everyone, then the joke is, enough with this guy. Like, you can't have that, which is a Taylor Kitsch thing for sure. We
0: we should mention the one final thing in the Joseph Gordon-Levitt equation is, he was like number two by all accounts for Ant-Man and Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. And I believe with Ant-Man, they chose Rudd over him, and with Guardians of the Galaxy, he turned it down.
2: Right. The only other thing in this interview I could find, which was an incredibly anodyne interview, is just that he spent time with his kids and he did have two kids in the last few years. So maybe that's part of it as well. Sounds good. Let's play the box office game though, Griffin, because this is a wild one. This movie came out September 27th, 2013. So in that prime, like not prime, in that sort of like beginning of Oscar season slot that is for a bad movie, the Goldfinch slot, you know, that kind of like oh, uh, yeah, Oscar season begins now with um, uh, Don John. And everyone's like, OK, well, so Oscar season starts in three weeks. It's like, yeah, but, you
0: know, whatever. You can get warmed up if you want. <laughs> the, the other factor there is if you look at that deadline piece about relativity buying the movie, it was outlined like 2000 screens, 25 million dollars P&A summer release and releasing it beginning of September is like we no longer have the confidence that this could be a summer sleeper hit. We also lack the confidence that this could be an awards play. Let's split the difference.
2: It's sad, but true. Um, Number one, though, Griffin, is an animated film. And I knew a movie you like a lot.
0: Hotel Transylvania?
2: No, Uh, it's a sequel. Uh, It's opening on 4000 screens. That's crazy. Um, It's not it's not HT2. Not it's not a Transylvania. No. Wow. No, sir.
0: I wish I could check in right now.
2: Uh, it's opening to thirty-four million dollars. Maybe you don't like the sequel as much. I know you like the first one.
0: Interesting. Uh, you know I like Cars the first too. One.
2: No, it's Sean. it's not Cars. It's not a Cars. I'm way
0: off, huh? I don't. I'm... You, you got to understand. First of all, <laughs> those were all summer births. Okay, that's that's a big time summer franchise. Second of all, David Walsall, have zero confusion as to whether or not I liked Cars too, because I'm famous for saying. That Cars 2 makes Cars 3 look like Cars 1. That's all. Everyone knows I say that. (sighs) Oh,
2: boy. Uh, Cars 2 only came out a couple years earlier. All right. Come on, Griffin. What's this animated film? $34 million. Sequel.
0: $34 million. Diminishing returns. Sequel. Is it the last one? Do they keep it going after this? Last one. Two and done sequel and it's I assume it's neither Disney nor Dreamworks
2: uh, it's Sony and there's a laugh line in this trailer that I love
0: oh 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 I do like this movie and it's embarrassing I didn't get this because I weirdly rewatched the first movie last night it's cloudy with a chance of meatballs too
2: mm. that's right there's a leak in the boat and then you cut to the leak and he goes ah that yeah. always gets me Sean have you seen cloudy Two?
1: no I saw cloudy one but I never saw cloudy Two. S- yep yeah.
2: Um. Exactly Number two Griffin at the bar This is a weird This is a weird Top five Griffin Number two is um, A drama A very serious drama From a director who's Getting big He's about to be huge When this is Like this is sort of like
0: Is it, is it Prisoners?
2: It's Prisoners
0: Yeah Kind of a hit It opened big It made like what 80 million dollars? I love that movie I do, too. I like it, too. It's very serious. It made 60. David, 60 for that movie is humongous. It it was super dark. That's one of the darkest movies to make over 50 million dollars in the last 10, 20 years. And it's
1: fucking
2: it's long. it's like two hours and 25 minutes it's like really long do you get the
1: sense that they shot Enemies simultaneously like that was just their days off that he was making
0: that movie it almost feels like they were reusing the same sets you know like yes Uh, no I think Prisoners is great I love that movie
2: Prisoners uh, is a lot of fun for a movie that's very much no fun Um, number three is the best movie Made by this director in many years, a veteran Hollywood filmmaker uh, who made one of his worst movies this year. Ooh. He's actually had a really tough run post this, but this is it's a biopic, it's a sports movie. Um, it's, I really it, like well, this no, movie. Well, th- no,
0: this isn't stronger.
2: No, though I do that's like that later. Movie. That's later.
0: It also later. feels like you're describing Sully, but that's obviously years later.
2: No, sports movie.
0: I know, I know. Up until sports it sounded like Sully though. Right. I sure, know sure. the year was wrong. I don't want anyone to question my Sully Bona Fides. But he,
2: this the director of this movie made maybe his worst movie this year. And this guy has made some not very good movies.
0: In in 2020, you're saying.
2: 20, yeah, sorry, 2020. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe his worst movie in 2020. Uh this is a sports biopic. This is a good one. This is sort of his best in a while and his last good one. Um, Why am I not thinking of this is Who made it, like, like
2: a roundly mocked movie That still might get like Oscar attention In 2020
0: Oh it's Rush
2: It's Rush The movie is Rush Oh The yeah. bad movie of course is Hillbilly Elegy Rush is good
1: Rush is good I liked it yeah I saw that on a plane as well Man what a flight
0: that that felt like, oh, oh, uh, Ron Howard's got a second wind. He's maybe entering an interesting period.
2: Yeah. Oh, right. And it's it was also just like, oh, Ron Howard's still going to try and make grown up, you know, mid budget dramas like, he, you know, and because he's been around long enough, like, that's fine. He'll keep that going. Right. And then since then, he's done In the Heart of the Sea, Inferno, Solo. And then Hillbilly Elgey is kind of the first Jesus. one since. And that thing stinks to high heaven.
0: Yeah
1: It's so bad Something you guys might like I don't know if if you've seen it Or if you wouldn't be interested But I was told by a director friend That Ron Howard's masterclass on directing Is incredible So good Hmm. He's like anytime I know somebody Who's like about to direct their first project I'm like go watch the Ron Howard masterclass Because like he breaks down the way he shot Like some uh, Frost Nixon sequence And you're just like it's super practical. It's super clear. And you're like, oh, I understand this better.
2: That's the thing with him. If you point him at a good script, he will probably give you a good to great movie. Like, he's not bad with actors. He obviously has been doing it forever. And if you give him a shitty script, I, you know, you're in trouble. I don't know. He's
0: like a, a good craftsman with bad instincts.
2: Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. He seems very nice. I remember, like, when he took over Solo... It's such a like, weird, fraught situation. And he just always seemed like he's like, oh, I'm having a lot of fun making a Star Wars movie. And then it like, came out. No one liked it. And everyone he was just like, well, all right. You know,
0: well, uh, I'm just trying my darndest here.
2: All right. Number f- n- Griffin, I don't know if you're going to get number four. OK, this is a comedy. Can
0: I can I just say I'm sorry? I just to move back one step. The other interesting thing about Rush is that is the one moment where Chris Hemsworth is like, cool, I'm a movie star now. Let me use my clout to try to bring the adult drama back. And it's like Black Hat, Rush, In the Heart of the Sea. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's three movies, right? He gives it a real shot, and then he's like, cool. Ghostbusters, Men in Black, eight more Marvel movies. Put me in every franchise. You guys mentioned Black Hat a
1: lot in the in the last episode I just listened to, an older one. Do you guys like that movie? Is that good?
0: Love it. Yeah,
2: movie fucking rules.
0: <laughs> I thought it looked good, but I just never saw it. But I'll watch yeah. it. Yeah. We also use it as a metric for movies bombing. Like, does a movie make more or less than Black Hat? Yeah, right. It made eight million dollars, and it cost a hundred.
1: Don
2: John made about three Black Hats, by the way. That was its right, final. Right. Total. We
0: use it like that. Yeah.
2: Griffin, number four. It's new this week. It's opening over Don John. Don, it's eating Don John's lunch. Let's be Don honest. John's uh, opening at
0: five.
2: Opening at five. Not great. Behind. Cloudy with a Chance of Beatballs, Prisoners, Rush, and this. Like, not behind, you know, heavyweights, behind kind of middleweight things. This is a, it's an ensemble movie. It's one of those movies where the poster has, like, 40 people on it. You know, just, like, a bunch of randos.
0: Is it, like, The Big Wedding?
2: It's like that, um, in that, uh, yeah, sort of big ensemble of mostly black actors. I, this, I really forgot about this one.
0: Uh, it's 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 not baggage claim. It is baggage claim, Griffin. Baggage claim, baby.
2: Paula Patton, Derek Luke, Tay Diggs, Jill Scott, Boris Kodjo, Trey Songs, Adam Brody, Tia Mowry, Lala Anthony, and Jaimon Honsu. Baggage claim. I've never seen it. She's done flying solo. Apparently, that's the tagline. Uh,
0: yeah, that's the concept. That's sort of the conflict. Yeah.
2: But, you know, it's just like it's the posters literally just like it's 12 people and they all have a different pose. Hands on hips, one hand on hip opening shirt, hands folded like it's just it's a whole journey. Derek Luke's got his thumbs in his pockets.
0: They're also in like three different quadrants,
2: three, three bands of people. Yes. I don't know if they're like if their stories are related, though.
0: Some of the people who are credited on the poster don't get pictures, but I think maybe also the opposite is true. Adam Brody
2: nowhere to be seen for sure. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Have you seen Baggage Claim?
0: Uh, Absolutely not. And I like Paula Patton. Yeah,
2: right. It's the big Paula Patton movie post, like Mission Impossible, along with Jumping the Broom. She was like, you know, it was like, okay, well, let's make her a big star, and then she does About Last Night. She
0: really. You know, she gave it a shot. Two guns. Two <laughs> guns, got to shoot all that money. And then, and then you know, sh- she's a person who had to take a couple years off listening and re-listening to the album Paula and deciding whether or not to get back with Robin Thicke.
2: Isn't that a weird box office game? Don John's five. Very weird. And then you have yeah, Insidious Chapter weird. Two, The Family, something called Instructions Not Included. Is that a uh, Eugenio Derbez?
0: Absolutely.
2: Uh, We're the Millers and the Butler. That's the 10. I will say this is what kills these movies is like when people are just like, no, thank you. And then that's that's why Disney is like, "Okay, fine. We'll just fucking overload it with franchises. Yeah, because like this is the last gasp of studios just like choking theaters with like these sort of like medium to bad, you know, small to mid budget movies. Like as much as I bemoan their loss, like a lot of these are not very good.
0: Very true, and I know they're on the way out. They're in the bottom rungs of the box office chart after being out for weeks at this point, but The Butler and We're the Millers both cleaned up. Like, that is the Total exact hits. thing they used to try to do. Can we make this for 30? Can it surprisingly crack 100?
2: 100%. Those, those movies are both hits. They're both, right, two months into their runs or whatever. And, like, that's, but that's kind of it. Then there's horror movies. There's The Conjuring. There's Insidious. Like, those are the other hit. The Heat is way down at the bottom here.
0: But that's from, like, July hanging in there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I was just trying to look for, uh, like, actual hits in this genre.
0: No, you're right. Uh, that box office chart represents, like, uh, five genres that just don't get made anymore.
2: Right. And, you know, so you got next week Gravity comes out. Don John falls 50%. It is not a word of mouth hit.
1: Gravity. Mm -hmm. You guys want to hear a little story about Gravity? So uh, I made a pilot a few years back that starred myself and Mr. Billy Zane. Wow. Hey. And it was right after Gravity had come out, and uh, we were, uh, (laughs) he wanted to have like a lunch at the Polo Club. And so uh, I went with my friend Craig, who had created the show. Uh, and we sat down and we all like talked about movies for a while, and I was like, well, I really like Gravity, and he was like, here's my problem with Gravity. And I was like, what's Billy name? what's the note he's gonna give on Gravity right now? <laughs> and he goes, so George Clooney, Mr. Cool, Mr. Smooth, like never, never seen him sweat, right? He starts getting sucked off into space, and the choice that he makes is just be like, you're gonna be okay it's all right. I'm with you. As this man is like dying and being sucked away, Sandra Bullock has him in her ear and he like still stays completely unflappable and kind of maintains this like Clooney style we all know and goes like, you've got this. You're tough enough. Like you'll figure it out. He goes, now imagine the movie. If in that opening, like 20 minutes for the first time in the history of his career, you had heard George Clooney lose his fucking shit and be like, I don't want to fucking die. Like start like crying. And, and Sandra Bullock has that in her head. And for the rest of the movie, as she's like going through all these trials, that's what's coming for her on the other side. If she doesn't make it through, if she gets sucked out, this guy who was like so much more level headed than her, she's heard him break down. So what does that mean for fucking her? He's like the tension and the fear you would feel throughout that experience would be like so much more heightened and effective. And I was like, Holy shit. Billy Zane's a genius. <laughs> like he's <laughs> so right. Like <laughs> he would have Billy Zane could have got in there and fucking <laughs> punched this shit up. He's telling
2: truths Hollywood can't hear. Hollywood's just like, no, we can't. George can't do, we can't show them George like that. That would, people would walk out of the theater. Billy is like, this is how you make it more visceral.
1: And they're like, it's too much, Billy. I, I know you're right, but it's too much. It would have been so powerful. And I was like, right. dude, it's just really, good. and I think about it every time I think about that movie now. Um, That's so funny. But anyway, yeah, Comedy Central passed on the pilot. Dom was in it with me, Dominic, uh, myself, and, Billy and uh,
0: um, they just didn't, they weren't ready for what we had to say. <laughs> well, clearly, I mean, they, if Zane's made some enemies, I think, for telling too many truths. And that's what we realized. That's my takeaway from, from the story you just told because there, there has to be some reason that all of Hollywood isn't listening to Billy Zane. I know. On right? every subject. Yes. The guys, the guys got it, man. Um, anyway. Sean, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, uh, dearly departed Hayes, thank you so much for being on the show. Fuck him. You guys are now, you have your, your like, a Patreon network. Your whole sort of lineup. That's right. Patreon.com slash The Flagrant
1: Ones. Uh, we have our show The Flagrant Ones up there, which is our show about the NBA. We also do Hollywood Handbook there, which is, I don't know what it's about. Um, we have Hollywood Handbook, the pro version. Uh, our friend Carl Tart does a show called Carl Calls His Cousin that I, um, is what it sounds like, uh, that I've really been enjoying. Um, and uh, yeah, please go there and support us. We love you. We really love you. The blank check guys are using you.
0: You specifically love our listenership.
1: Yeah, the blank check listeners we are in love with, and uh, and we will. Treat you so good, we will respect
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, I always feel very validated every time on any of your shows you guys reference the Grafreon charts. Cause <laughs> I like knowing I'm not the only person who monitors uh, my performance on their soaps. You gotta check. Yeah. But, it, but look, I'll just say this 2020, huge summer for dirtbag right shows. I know. Right. Right. I feel like right. one
1: called The Flagrant 2. Oh boy. And we're called the flagrant ones and we were like, fuck, man. I think they got created after us and blew by us at one point. We were like shit. They're
2: like number five. Holy shit, what is yeah. this? I know
0: it really kills us. There are a lot of podcasts with bad politics that I used to pat myself on the back for feeling like, yeah, but you know what? Proof is in the pudding. Look at how many more people care about our show. And all of them have just fucking taken me to town and folded me like laundry in the last year. No, they kicked my Happy Meal ass up and down <laughs> yeah, Main Street, so man. Forget it. Uh, I'll, I'll do one specific plug uh, to, to build onto your plug for, for Blank Check listeners. I did an episode of Flagrant Ones uh, last summer when sports were on hiatus and you guys shifted to talking about sports movies where I came on and told stories about draft day. And I shared a story about Chadwick Boseman, and that will definitively be the last time I ever share that story publicly. It
1: was probably our best episode, honestly. It was the one where we didn't talk about uh sports or basketball at all. <laughs> Instead, talked about a movie and really we didn't talk much. We asked you questions. Um so that was our best episode. Please go listen.
2: Fuck, I can't believe Griffin's been on the basketball podcast and I haven't. This is an outrage. I do have to listen to it. That. Yeah,
0: that's got to be frustrating. Well, look forward to David on uh Carl calls his cousin.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carl should call me.
0: Um and uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Joe Bone and Pat Rounds for our artwork. Thank you to Lay Montgomery and the Great American Novel for our theme song. Want to say thank you to Marie Barty for our social media, and thank you to our editing team, Alex Barron, AJ McKeon. Go to blankiesdirect.com for some real nerdy shit, and then check out our Shopify page for some real nerdy shirts. Uh, next week. John Singleton, Boys in the Hood, correct? That's right. Starting a new miniseries, starting off strong. So tune in for that, and over on Patreon, we're talking about whatever we're talking about over on Patreon that has not been decided yet. A byproduct of us recording episodes four months in advance.
2: Something cool.
0: I, that's probably something really fucking great, like the Police Academy movies or something. It's probably something really thrilling. And as always, his name is Don John because it's like Don Juan. No,
2: I didn't pick up on
1: that.
0: Yeah, I forgot to mention that.
1: It's like he shot his career into a tissue paper and threw it out in the garbage.